Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1 800 69 BetUS. That is 800 MyBetUS. You receive 125% sign up bonus by using bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The race books has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone online and sports betting partner with an integrity and longevity like i did bet us you bet you win you get paid bet us and welcome into sec football and beyond it's dan matthews it's chris landry a special tuesday edition normally when we do this live it is on a Thursday. Well, yes, it is on a Thursday leading into a Friday launch on the podcast. But we appreciate you all joining us like you, many of us going ahead and getting ahead on the week to get you ready for college football. And it is the final regular season weekend of college football. So, uh, Chris, really look forward to that. But um, I want to take the show in a little bit of a uh, different um a different path here for a second. Right before me and you hit the air, we found out uh, the news about uh, Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News. Just terrible news on that. If you have followed SEC media over the years, you absolutely know who Cecil Hurt is. But, uh, of course, uh, like you mentioned before the show, uh, tributes are uh, everywhere on social media for Cecil and uh, just terrible news. Yeah, I didn't know Cecil all that well. He called a few times over the years to ask about certain things and I know he was kind of um a staple there for I think you know kind of in the same age bracket I think he is me I think he he started um somewhere in the early 80s at in the Tuscaloosa News he's been there a long long time he's seen a lot of different things and you know kind of a beloved guy and he's had a uh career and I, I haven't really followed or really gotten any of the news but apparently was sick I, I I don't think it was COVID I think it was pneumonia and 
sounded an awful, just, just really sad. Um, mm-hmm. It's always difficult. I, um, I lost my parents, both my parents in the month of November. It's never a good time, but it's a time a year in a week in which we are celebrating family and everyone going out to maybe spend time with family. And it's just another reminder to just, Give the loved ones that you, um, you know, a hug and tell them you love them because mm-hmm. you just never know. Um, this obviously has been sick, what, for a while now, Dan, you know, in the hospital. And maybe maybe there were signs that it was going bad, but <clears throat> you just never know. So uh, just uh, really sad to hear it. And uh, thoughts and prayers and condolences go out to the family and uh, his work family and his personal family and um just tough news to hear in Thanksgiving week. It absolutely is. I mean, you know, you hit the sympathy right on the uh, the head there, Chris, that there's never a good time. Uh, but, you know, it's especially – it hurts even worse during times like this where you have people, hey, I'm going to see my parents, I'm going to see uh, my friends and family, all these different things. And, you know, it's one of those things that some people don't have that opportunity anymore, and that's terrible. But um, as you mentioned, uh, Cecil Hurt, uh, it was um, a statement released on Twitter uh, through Cecil's personal Twitter account. Uh, dear friend, Cecil Hurt passed away this afternoon at UAB Medical Center in Birmingham. He was being treated for pneumonia complicated by underlying issues. Cecil passed away peacefully while surrounded by family and a close friend. Please keep Cecil's family in your prayers as they cope with his passing. His family sincerely appreciates the outpouring of love and support shown to Cecil throughout this process. They also would like to thank the doctors, nurses, and staff at UAB ICU for the exemplary care and compassion they provided to Cecil and his family. Funeral arrangements will be announced at a later date. Rest in peace, Cecil. I think, like you two, um, you know, I'd only seen him at SEC Media Days, SEC Championship Games, just really just anything that pretty much when Alabama was uh, involved in any of those events is when I would see him. But, uh, you know, it's uh, like a lot of people – you know people sometimes through stories and I think the story that I always remember is Tommy Dees who had been at the Tuscaloosa News for a long time and uh, they had Cecil on a podcast that in a previous life I had produced and they talked about how he had a voracious love of reading and they backed it up by saying uh, he didn't just read he would be reading like Tolstoy and, and like like these, these these huge novels or the, the ones that he would read so uh, obviously he was a person that had uh, immense respect in this industry and just a, a person who uh, commanded just uh, a lot of respect as a person too so it is uh, definitely a uh, sad day uh, for sure as uh, again uh, Cecil Hurt uh, passing away from uh, pneumonia and uh, obviously our thoughts and prayers are with his family so uh, along with that Chris it seems like sometimes it can be hard to go from that to talking about actual football but I think our listeners also want to hear about actual football so we will do that uh, news and notes since we broke with you yesterday and not much in terms of that other than a huge bit of news that broke which by the way too thank you all for watching us here on twitch.tv backslash chris landry football normally when it is not a short week of the football season we are dropping the podcast on tuesday mornings and friday mornings well this one we're going to drop it this week on tuesday morning but then also to the one looking ahead that's coming your way on wednesday morning so look forward to that and you can get our podcast wherever you get your podcast needs apple spotify wherever it might be he is on twitter he is at landry football i am at dan matthews atl is the way that you can find us and chris 
the news and note one bit of news and notes is James Franklin staying put at Penn State. Ten-year deal, a guaranteed number of seven million dollars plus a five million dollar, or excuse me, five million, uh, five hundred thousand dollar retention bonus. As uh, this one can get upwards of, I believe, eight point five a season, and then also too, the other thing that people were pointing out is the buyout. How it is large at the beginning. It's twelve million dollars. So if somebody really wants James Franklin, they're gonna have to pony up a precious check to be able to get him. After that, the moral of the story is once it gets to 2025 is when the buyout is it, it decreases by the year. But then you get to that 2025 right there. I think that Penn State kind of giving themselves an opportunity if they don't feel like this is working to say, yeah, we can go ahead and get out without having to pay a ton of money. Yeah. Um, God bless Jimmy Sexton, man. He, you know, that's his new agent. He hired him this summer. Um switched over from trace armstrong trace does a good job as well but uh, i tell you you know there there are a lot of folks that maximize and are self-promoters that get the <laughs> get the interest in them kind of spurring out there in the public to their advantage no one does it better than james franklin um my understanding I mean, it wasn't even anybody that on, at USC was really interested in him at all. I know he was never a factor at LSU. It's just not somebody, you know, foot, there's once these administrators talk to football people and realize that he's just, I think he's been pretty average. And I'm being kind that Penn State, he's hung on to look what he did at Stanford. I get that. That is no, that's a Herculean feat, but there are circumstances that contributed to that. No one else has had that success at Vanderbilt. I get it. Um, I, I just, I hate to say this. I'm, I'm happy for James. It's don't begrudge him, but I just feel bad for Penn State because I think that if it's me, you know, I'm, I wouldn't have given him the last contract and I'd, I'd be on to my next guy by then. And, I think there are number number of guys that are much better uh, candidates. Uh, I, I'm just not as high on him. Uh, again, I think he's superficial. I think that he's a good recruiter, not great. I think he's really weak in the XNL department, and it's so much dependent on who he hires as a staff. And I know it's important for everybody, but the only way this works, Dan, uh, to any degree. If he hits on his coordinators and he can keep them for a while, it can cover up that. I, I just, you know, I just, I, um, I'm happy for him. I, they're definitely, it's a big win for James Franklin for somebody that, you know, I, I just don't think he was the candidate uh, as other people do their due diligence. I don't think he was near the candidate, but they got Penn State to think of it, and mm-hmm. you know it's just that's the way of the world that we're in, and and it's the leverage game, and I, he was able to do it without much leverage, quite frankly. Yet, why does it happen now? Why is the timing? Again, the maestro Jimmy Sexton, you know he got it done for Mel Tucker. Why? Well, need to get it done because he's not going to get the LSU job. James is not getting the LSU job. He's not getting the Florida job. He's not getting the U.S. He's not in contention for any of them. But 
if you can kind of give Penn State administrators a fear that, well, maybe he is, maybe he's not, maybe, well, why don't we do this, yada, yada. It, it's, it's great to be able to maximize. Now, he would have gotten even more if he was a candidate, but they, but they were able to really at least convince and put the screws enough to the Penn State administration to where they got this done. Look, congrats to him. It's, um, it's, a, it's a great deal. Look, they, this is about administrators, Dan, that, with all due respect, don't know. They're so concerned about the PR part of this. If you hire somebody with a name and it doesn't work, and you're an athletic director, you don't get criticized as much. Well, he hired a big-name guy. Like, nobody's really blaming the hiring of Dan Mullen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you hired Dan Mullen, well, you should have. It's good. It, 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 it's not. It's a known guy. It, it's, a, it's a popular hire. Right. If you hire the unknown guy that's maybe the better candidate, he doesn't get it done. Well, you hired that nincompoop, right. and you, you know, and right. it's just one of those things where I think a lot of people are scared. We we went through this before. We talked about it. Gus Malzahn, without an athletic director, the president said, "Oh my God, we can't lose him to Arkansas." Gave him all sorts of money. A year later, they're buying him out for obscene amount of money, and it just goes up and up and up and up. It is incredible what the money is and we talked about it today on um on uh, chuck and Chernoff. they asked me about kirby smart yeah <laughs> what do you think he's gonna get if he finishes this season with a national championship when mel and james and james franklin he's got Jimbo Fisher type money. Well, Jimbo Fisher's like, you know, you look at, hey, he's a bargain now. It's like it's up and up and up. It's it's like it is for players. And God bless them. You know, you know, Aaron Rodgers want every average yep. quarterback to get the best contract he can because what does that do for him? Um, rising tides raise all ships. Well, I mean, it's pretty much like you just pointed out right there. It's the time in the NFL when franchise quarterbacks were getting – tons of money and you still had a lot of people who were like are they worth it well they're better than the guy we don't know that's out there so let's go ahead and stick with them and let's go ahead and give him the money and a lot of times it didn't work out where in the nfl kind of like you said the rising boats or or the rising tide rises all ships I, i get that but then there kind of is a little bit where the market levels off and i think that you will finally see that soon enough that you will have an ad out there who says you know what go try to get your money because i think that soon enough you're going to have an administration that says enough's enough we we can't give him that type of money i think there's that the other thing there that i thought was a really interesting point is that is the golden parachute that ad's give themselves and that is to if you hire the big name guy and it doesn't work out, hey, what do you want me to do? Like I, I, you know, we were supposed to have this guy work out. It's kind of like what happened at Texas A&M years ago with Dennis Franchione. Everybody thought Dennis Franchione. That's 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 the can't miss. It's not going to happen, and he missed. And sometimes that happens where then you get a second hire to make, and usually it's the second hire. That if you don't nail that one, then you're probably on your way out, and that's what happened. I believe uh, it was uh, Greg. Was uh, it was um, was it Bill Byrne? Was it Greg Bill, Byrne's Bill, dad? Bill Byrne, yeah, yeah. That that was uh, Greg Byrne's dad when he was at Texas A&M. That then they said, all right, well, let's go with the NFL guy. Let's go get Mike Sherman, which. I immediately knew when they brought in Mike Sherman. I was like, 
He didn't even do that great in the NFL. You think he's going to be able to galvanize high school kids that want to come play at Texas A&M when University of Texas has all the cool Nike stuff right now and Vince Young and all the fun of Austin, and you're really going to say, hey, come to A&M and play for Mike Sherman. Yeah, it didn't really work out, and eventually the road led to Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. So it's a total inexact science, there's no doubt, but I'm with you on that as well. As There have been people who have taken the chance. I mean, Chuck likes to tell the story of when Clemson decided to go with Dabo, and there were questions out there of people going, the hell is a Dabo? What does that even mean? It's worked out well for Clemson. So, like I said, it's a total inexact science. You never know how it's going to go. But I do think, though, before we get into the games really quick, is I talked about this a little bit when I hosted the Chuck Oliver Show on Tuesday. And that is for LSU. And what they want in their coaching hire is, I think that there is a large faction of the fan base that says, I want mine. Like, I like you gave Texas A&M Jimbo, you gave Washington Chris Peterson don't underwhelm us. Like, show up with a huge name. And I think that that's what the fan base is looking at right now of saying, it's pretty much Lincoln Riley or nobody, Scott, so you better deliver. They not only want it, they expect it. Everybody's used the phrase, big game hunter, harpoon a whale, whatever kind of goofy shit, anything sort of that, anything short of that is going to be perceived as a huge disappointment. And... There's just a shortage of those guys. You don't have that. Ryan Day's not coming. Nick Saban's not coming. Kirby Smart's not coming. I don't think Lincoln Riley's going to come. Well, don't think Jimbo Fisher's going to come. And that's that's the name. The, it's in that realm, um, you know, particularly the last two that he would really like to come. If they don't, you know, it's he may – there may be somebody less of a name that may be the best hire. But, again, to his point, he wants to he, – he's celebrated as the big game guy. And, look, he has done a good job, and I'll stick to the football part. But a lot of it is the expectation that he's done it every time. Well, look, he's done it. He hired Sark, Sark off a USC staff. Good hire, not a proven first time, but a good hire. Everybody said he sold Chris Peterson on it. Again, people don't know Chris Peterson. Chris Peterson has no interest in being the Georgia coach or the LSU coach or the Florida coach. There are two jobs that Chris Peterson coveted from the Boise days, Oregon or Washington. So he was able to do that, and, and he deserves credit for getting to go there, but that wasn't as tough of a sell as people think. And then Jimbo, he had a, a relationship with Jimbo, and Jimbo was wanting to get out of Florida State, and he wanted to go where there was money. So timing's everything. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve credit as a big game hunter. He's done it. The results are there. But not every situation is equal. Sometimes it's more difficult. I think he's finding this one more difficult because I think he's looking at a hire that unless it goes a certain way and he's able to swing something, it's he's either going to have to go start over, which I, I think at this point he's exhausted all of his time to, to anybody that might be interested 
would be or he's going to end up with somebody that might be a really good coach but doesn't win the PR meter and I just don't know I just think sometimes people tend to try to win the press conference too much Dan because it does give them cover yeah the job ought to be to get the best guy it's like and and again it doesn't make me right in fact it may may be wrong for me but it's like you know, being involved in, in running drafts for years. It's not about the name guy. Who's the best player? Um, who's, you know, what, and it's the same thing with coaches. I think if you do that, Dan, it, it will be the right heart and it will work. And all the criticism is going to just go away. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, you would, I don't know how aware you were or not your age and you know, you're a little younger but i gotta tell you uh, i got holy hell thrown at me it was because it was well known i knew nick saban knew nick really well when i really pushed him for the lsu job mm-hmm. back when they hired donardo and then again that was not a popular hire not at all i mean it was vitriolic guy never been in the south Big Ten guy, it's never going to work. And it was worse after year one when he lost to UAB. And, again, the rest, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. The point is you never know. But in terms of PR, I think sometimes get people get hung up into it. And I think that's a big part. That's a big part. Those administrators have egos. I think that Scott Woodard has an ego and he's got kind of a reputation to feel like if I don't deliver the big game guy, then I'm going to be looked at. I didn't get it done. I, I think that's a part of it. I think some of that's what's going on there. And he might be letting the best candidate go right by him. Well, I think that the other part of this as well is he knows what the fan base is going to want because the fan base is going to want that because there is a feeling of we've got the talent here. I mean, I was talking with Matt Moscona on Tuesday where this should be a job that you look to somebody and say, this isn't a come in and completely rebuild the ship. The ship for the most part has a good hull. It's got a good bow. It's got a good stern. It's got all those different types of things. We just really need somebody to steer the ship and be a good captain. And I think that that's part of it is you need somebody to come in and provide good organization and provide stability there where there is a situation where Chris, I don't think I'm out of out of line in saying this. I don't think a John Emery situation happens with somebody that provides that where they say if somebody starts falling out of favor in a class or falling behind or anything. All right. Well, academic support step in and let's make sure that this is not an issue. I mean, all of those different types of things that do come along with being a coach. And I've said it once and I'll say it again. I don't understand how you could possibly even allow for Dave Aranda to fall away when he has the ties that he has to the school, you know how good of a coach he is, and I don't think it can be underscored, COVID or not, going from 2-7 and seven to 10-2 and two, and likely probably going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl game this year at Baylor, which, not devoid of talent, but still somebody who probably in a situation like that could have very easily tried to sell you on everything and tried to tell you how everything is so great when they know deep down it's not. And he was able to turn things around very quickly and have that program be successful. 
I think he provides all those things. I think if nothing else, if you do that, I don't think as a whole the LSU fan base will say, boo, terrible, Dave Aranda, I, I can't believe it. I get it. He's not the flashy offensive guy. You know, you're thinking to yourself, what could this offense do with Lane Kiffin, all those different types of things. But I think that everything that I just mentioned right there and somebody who probably could be able to keep players like I, I think, for example, I think if you hire Dave Aranda, Chris, I don't think there's any reason why he couldn't go sit in Elias Ricks's living room there and say, hey, give us a shot. Stick around. Stick and stay. I think he probably keeps Corey Raymond on. I think he probably keeps Mickey Joseph around. I think that he brings the guys back that he knows can provide that continuity and stability and the trust within the program. I think he still has that. Well, I think there's no slam dunk candidate and everybody has, you know, something that, well, may not have done it long enough or what have you. And that's part of the problem. And I think it's also part of what has been purposely leaked out there that I think they are going after a big fish. So at the very least, people will have the perception and perception may be reality. It may not be, but it's perception, right? Mm. Um, the perception is that he will have made a run at Jimbo and Lincoln. How close, how much of a run, how many calls, how many, you know, swipes at it. At least, you know, I think they'll be able to sell it. Look, those guys didn't want to leave. They're in good situations. Uh, everybody thinks, well, our job here is better. You know, it's where, you know, well, duties in the behind of the whole is in the eye of the beholder of the candidates. And sometimes people just don't want to leave or they're comfortable. And it's just as important who you're working with mm. as in where you are. And if you're comfortable with somebody, you may not want to leave. So, but I think there wants to be the perception that we tried to try to reel in this guy. And if it works, it's great. If it doesn't, then we tried and maybe you have the, well, you couldn't get it done. Well, that's why a lot of that money is floating out. Well, there's nothing you, the, 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 the attitude will be, you know, well, look, he did everything he could. He came to the table with like, people are just throwing out numbers. Like they would know what the exact numbers are right. ridiculous, but it's like, I think it, there's a lot of reason for that, Dan. And that is gives a little bit of cover. Well, he made the run. He threw off that money, and they right. just didn't. Well, we did all we can do, and so now we can rally around and love this guy who we just hired. And, yeah, in a month or two, they're going to like the hire more than they're going to like it next week. Well, it's also, so. too, just, just to wrap it on Aranda of why I think is I think he has another anti-Coach O problem here. Or not problem. In this case, it's a solution. I don't think that he's going to be a tough sell to the hotshot coordinators anymore. And he is actually going to talk to said coordinators when he hires them because there is a respect for him as a coach. And there is a thought of, hey, I can stick around because this guy's not going to embarrass me and he's not going to embarrass the program. And it is going to be one of those things when I go into a coach's convention or somewhere and I'm wearing the purple and gold LSU that it's going to be, man, it's a sound staff right there. I, I like that group. You guys do a really good job over there. So I think there is a mutual respect as well. Like I said with the podcast, if you want to know where to find us, it's anywhere you get your podcast needs. It's Apple, Spotify, wherever that might be. Twitch.tv backslash Chris Landry football if you want to get involved. Of course, too, the comments section is wide open right now, so you want to jump in there and get some questions in. 
as we send you off into the weekend of college football week 13 style. Chris, let's jump right into the games. It's a full slate of games in the SEC and in a couple beyond, which we will do at the end. That, of course, is Ohio State, Michigan, and also Bedlam, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. See, the emails are already coming in. So, oh, coming in. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you okay. go. You see, we got we got that going for us already. Uh, but let's start with uh, Thursday night. We are going to be finishing off turkey, dressing, uh, all that different types of stuff, and be able to settle in and watch this one, which will be a good one, the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss at Mississippi State. Interesting at the beginning when you look at it, you think, all right, it's gotta be it's gotta be Ole Miss, probably what, five, six, something like that. No. Mississippi State at home in Starkville, a point and a half favorite for the Bulldogs. I mean, I'm almost kind of thinking suckers bet there because, yes, Will Will Rogers and the Mississippi State offense have had a nice little run here as of late, and he's been playing well. I know Steve Spurrier gave him a pretty big uh, big hat tip saying, well, if I had a Heisman vote, I think it would be going to Will Rogers, Mississippi State. No, he does have one. He's well, and that's, and, that's, and that's it, and that's, that's what he said. He said his vote would be uh, going to uh, Will Rogers. But even with that, I still think that Ole Miss is a better football team is Vegas trying to kind of reel you in there by saying, hey, at home, revenge factor, maybe Matt Corral's a little banged up, all these different types of things? Or is that maybe even a smart play that you could see Mississippi State here in a close one? I think it's some of all of that. I think it's also a lot of Mississippi State's just been playing well. And um, I think Mo Miss has, but I think that there's a healthy respect for Mississippi State. Um I think the matchup's going to be interesting. It's a rivalry game, so I expect it to be close, even if there is a large differential between the two teams, and I don't think there's much here. I think it's going to be um, defensively who can step up and make uh, make plays on third downs uh, and get off the field. Um, I think for Mississippi State is, you know, being able to defend Ole Miss's run game and for Ole Miss's defense being able to stand, to defend the crossing routes of the screen game. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's going to be key. I mentioned it a little bit uh, yesterday when we talked of, you know, both offenses have to maximize possessions, no turnovers, because that's going to be the real key. If you lose a possession with turnover, it's going to cost you. Uh, threes are, are, are not welcome in this game. Uh, it's touchdowns, uh, not going to be real happy selling for threes. So I, I think it will de- will depend a lot, too, on what Matt Corral can do run-wise. I, he's going to run. How effective he's going to be health-wise, I don't know, but he's going to run it. He's going to take off and run when he has to in, in this game more than he obviously needed to do last week so i think it's the best game of the weekend and yet it it doesn't it's for pride it's uh, certainly big in the state uh it means an awful lot uh it means a better bowl game for the winner and a better status in the west all of those things and i think it's what makes college football great um because it's not all about the playoffs. You know, it's not all about getting in or not. This is a game that just is really meaningful. Um, and I think, as I said, the best one in the conference uh, that's going to mean a lot to both teams. I thought it was really interesting and a little weird. You hear Lane Kiffin's comment? Yeah, I, I did. I, what I th- the heck was that? I mean, it's like for folks who don't know what we're talking about, they asked him, how do you think your fans are going to travel 
to Starkville, he says, well, he didn't travel at home last week. I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, he's feeling himself a little bit. And then, uh, of course, the, the one that drew the ire was – Basically, it's another game. I'm not just going to hate somebody because of who's on the other sidelines. I mean, of course, he's boys with Mike Leach, so there is that. I think it's also, too, it's Lane Kiffin kind of feeling himself of just being like, this thing is better when I'm here. And it's also, too, kind of a point that you brought up last week about probably the best time for Lane to be able to leave. I just thought about this right here is I know we're kind of cart ahead of the horse because you got to play this game. And, yeah, it is huge for Ole Miss because – this just in at Ole Miss. They don't go ten and two a lot in, in in Oxford, and I know that the thought process is Lane get out while the getting's good, because it's not going to be much better. I'm already kind of thinking that we're going to be seeing more and more guys enter the transfer portal. Does Lane kind of become that next year, where he is the hey? Let me show you Miles Brennan or Spencer Rattler or anybody else out there. Who knows? Maybe JT Daniels says, "I want to give one last good shot at this." and I want to go play at Ole Miss, who says that that doesn't happen, that he is to prove to guys, hey, we got spots here, and you got a guy that can be a hell of a coach for you and get you ready for the next level. How about Ole Miss? How about Oxford? It could be. um, You know, it sounds like uh, Spencer Rattler is heading back home, maybe like Arizona State, but that's another opening that could take place. By the way, um, Second time I've heard that today. That would be – something to look out for lane too we we think in terms of florida he would be he has west coast interests and he would really like arizona state um because he'd, year, well. he'd, he'd yearly get to stick it to the guys that fired him on the tarmac well and you can win there if you do it right yep. that's an untapped potential program but you know the recruiting's not off not not really going well at, at Ole miss i mean they're way behind the eight ball so it's about how you finish but we're Look, we're a month away now from finishing. So it may be heavy transfer portal. I, I think we're looking at, I don't know about a precipitous drop, but as you mentioned, they, they're not going to, you don't win 10 games regularly, even with a 12 game schedule. You don't win 10 games regularly at Ole Miss, not close to it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but you got to have a leaping spot. I know, as I've mentioned before, very, really, and his agent, same agent, Jimmy Sexton. Represents 11 out of the 14 coaches in the league. So who doesn't he represent? But it really was interested in the LSU job. Pushed him. Not much there. And apparently there is not much push. At Florida. Florida. Yeah, that's surprising. Um, So, um, you know, I don't – I just – it's not there for him right now. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if, um, you know, what might come up and what might be out there for him. If yeah. anything. Yeah. I mean, I know that Miami is another one that's been thrown out there. Yeah. And I mean, I personally would say roll the dice on what I just threw out there at Ole Miss over Miami, because I, I do think that the climate at Miami is much. Let's think about it, Chris. You had a program who was not given the death penalty or anything close like that. That's a bit extreme, but a program that was per, pretty persona non grata for for a couple of years after Hugh Freeze was shown the door, and he was able to get him to a very respectable point pretty quickly. So I think there's something about that. But at the same time, though, too, I just think that Miami is just such a beaten program. And it's also, too, I, I just, you know, a program that doesn't necessarily know what they need to be successful at this moment. And I think that's something as a coach, do you necessarily want to take that on of kind of trying to lead 
the administrators of saying, hey, pull this direction, because if you're not pulling this direction, we ain't going to win a lot. And you're just going to continue to perpetuate the cycle. Well, they've lost South Florida in recruiting. Urban Meyer took it away. It hasn't been the same. If I were Miami, what I would do is I would be very creative and bring in Mario Cristobal. I'd try to make him an offer to be the athletic director, head coach, and let him hire an athletic director underneath him, give him something that he doesn't have at Oregon. Because right now he knows, and he's right, he's got a better job. Mm-hmm. where he is right now than yep. at Miami. So you've got to make that be creative and make that job better and not think, well, we're Miami and we were once great and therefore we, you know, you've got to make it better. And you've got to facility-wise, I think Florida, Florida State and Miami got a little lazy and full of themselves and almost entitled that, well, we're, we're in state, we're going to get these kids. We own the state. Well, no, you don't. And they're leaving. And so um, – I think they've fallen behind. Yes, they're improving Florida State. I get it. You're improving. You're way behind Clemson. Florida, you're improving. You're way behind Florida, uh, behind Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. And so you got to be really careful that you're not going to be, you know, to Georgia what Michigan's doing looking up at Ohio State. That's what you got to be careful about uh, if, if you're Florida. You're Miami. The one thing you got is an easier path. Um you know, and you need some consistency. And, you know, uh, I think he could win more at Miami because of the schedule. But, you know, I don't know. I think he will have to look hard at it because, as you mentioned, y- you can go as hot and as much. That's got to be frustrating for him, knowing him. Yeah. Because, as you said, he might be on a way to 10-2 and two Thursday night. And it's as good as you can get. You're know, saying things, unbeaten at home for the first time in Scootsy, all of that, and I can't get a job right. now. And we, these openings, he's probably thinking, holy moly. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't get any better than this for me here. If I can't, you know, you say strike while the, while the iron's hot, well, it's like the iron should be hot, and it's not as hot as I think it should be. And that's right. just kind of taking you where I think his mindset is, and I maybe – may be affecting him a little bit. Maybe those comments are – I don't want to be psychoanalyzing here, but the frustration of, look, I mean, we're, we're doing all of this, and, you know, he's thinking probably they should have filled the stadium last week on a, on a meaningless cupcake game because it's the greatest season we've ever had at home and yada, yada, yada. Don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's one of those that he marches to the beat of his own drum. We know that about Lane Kiffin, but no, I'm with you. I mean, you know, I think anybody in their professional careers, whatever they do, have probably experienced a time where they look around and say, the heck, like, you know, how is this not me? Or, you know, what's what's off here? I mean, you ask those questions, and sometimes, like you said, it's the timing. That's the way it is, or it's just it's just not the right time for you, maybe sometimes as well. Uh, Missouri at Arkansas, 3.30 on Friday. That's going to be another good one. A, um, you know, if you're into the early shopping, I am not. So I will be settling in and watching that one. Uh, Razorbacks, a 14-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. A couple of things here. Number one with the Razorbacks, uh, an 8-4 and four season would be superb for Sam Pittman in year two. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Bowl projection I've seen, and I think that this leads into them being able to win this game, Chris. Sam Pittman, Arkansas, against Dabo and Clemson in the Gator Bowl. 
I think that'd be a pretty interesting one there at the end of the season. If nothing else, it's one of the ones that are the below the New Year's Six Bowl games that actually would catch your interest. Yeah, would well, like Arkansas a lot in this game. Uh, you know, the, the Missouri and the win is great. Congratulations. It's more about what Florida was not able to do last week. Arkansas is quite a bit better. I, I, I don't. I, I think they will absolutely run around and through Missouri's defense. Uh, I think we see that again, and I think KJ has a good game, and uh, I think they're able to limit the big plays of Missouri's offense. So I, I'd be very surprised if, if Arkansas doesn't win and win going away here. Yeah, that's what it's looking like. I mean, like you said, it's an emotional win last week for Missouri. They're bowl eligible. All right, that's great. But Arkansas, if nothing else, it's kind of a hat tip to the fan base too because, I mean, you've heard Sam Pittman talk about how this has been a special run for them when, I mean, you you don't hear very many coaches other than what you heard Sam Pittman say the other night and what you heard Shane Beamer, I mean, you know, getting teared up on the field after the win over Auburn to be bowl eligible again. But for both of those fan bases, proud fan bases. I mean, South Carolina had it rolling pretty good from 2010 to 2014 thereabouts. And then, you know, Arkansas with the Frank Broyles years and even times making a run at the national title. And that's a fan base that that's at those times is probably a little bit of an older fan base. But, I mean, even, you know, 2011, you were in the Sugar Bowl and, and having an opportunity against Ohio State. And then you had the Bobby Petrino situation, or Bob Petrino. I understand it, how he wants to be referred to. Uh, but, you know, you, you had uh, those times, and, and you hadn't been to a bowl game since 2016. So I understand all of that. I, I think that uh, probably a little bit of uh, the emotions uh, for that fan base, and it's good that they're going to be able to uh, have one more chance to see their team and hopefully be able to see their team on to a bowl game, which probably should be pretty well attended. Uh, noon Saturday, number one Georgia taking on Georgia Tech Dogs, 35-point favorite in this one. Chris, I-, I could really see it either going one of two ways here for Kirby Smart in this game. I could see the good and the bad for Jeff Collins in Georgia Tech. The good would be that has a comfortable enough lead, says, I don't want to get anybody hurt. I don't want to have a George Pickens fight situation like we had a couple of years ago and have somebody suspended for a very important SEC championship game. The bad could be, I kind of see the writing on the wall for Jeff Collins, if not this year, probably next year. I want to add to that. And I want to be able to make sure that people look at this Georgia Tech program and say, yeah, it's not quite the hot thing. The 404, the culture and, the you know, all, all those different types of things at Georgia Tech are not as hot as, as it was once being sold under this guy. I think that probably if my gut told me he's going to lean the former over the latter. But it's also, though, at the same time, I think if he's got a chance to prove a point, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think, uh, look, how well – how much he's able to pull the starters out and play backups is what we always say as coaches. How well do you take care of business in the first half? How do you put this game away quickly? Um, I think that's the key. And I think they will. I don't think there's a whole lot that Georgia Tech's going to really challenge Georgia with. I think you only want to keep your sharpness, keep your intensity. I, I think that he'll play it smart. I think he'll play Guys that need to play and need some reps will get it. Um, and a lot of guys are going to get um, 
going to get some rest here. I think I think they win going away. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I mean, Georgia Tech, it's just it's a mind-boggling thing because it's not the talent with the Yellow Jackets. The games that I've seen this year, they've got talent. I mean, you would think that probably the strength of their defense should be the back end and the secondary, especially at the safety spots. I'm seeing guys out of position. I'm seeing guys not necessarily knowing what their assignment is. There's going to be changes at Georgia Tech. It's not going to be Jeff Collins, but, I mean, just you probably should have seen, if nothing else, a chance for a game like this to say, hey, let's pull off a huge win and we can go bowling at 6-6. Six and six. But they're 3-8 and eight right now, so – Three straight years of three uh, of three wins and nothing more. Yeah. That's not the good direction to be no, there no. at Georgia Tech. Uh, let's go to another in-state non-conference rivalry. That is Florida State at Florida Gators, a three-point favorite in this one. Chris, I like the Knowles to go on the road. I, I just think that the morale is at an all-time low in Gainesville with the players in that locker room. But the other part of it as well, if you want to hedge your bets on it, at least hedge my take on this, is that you could have a Florida roster who says, we know the future is not going to include him. So let me put together good film. Let me be able to show the next head coach that, hey, I'm somebody that can be relied upon, and you can use me to be able to build this program back up. But it's also, too, at the same time, kind of like what I talked about with South Carolina and Arkansas, I think you could see those same emotions from Florida State's players and even Mike Norvell when it looked like, at least in the month of September, this was going to be a very bad year. I don't think he was going to be fired, but I think at the same time, though, too, it was going to be how real close is the base and the foundation of this program to being able to bounce back as opposed to what could have been and it being just an awful year. But now it truly is. I heard Jermaine Johnson talk about it the other day for Florida State where he said, this now truly feels like we are part of the revitalization of this program. They're playing better. They're playing with a with an increased energy level. Uh, they're finishing games better. They're playing better throughout, getting better quarterback play. I think they've done a nice job with this team. Uh, they're definitely playing better, um, you know, than Florida going into this game. And I do think it's going to be interesting to see how the Florida team responds. I, I agree with that. Kind of like Florida State in this game, I have. Um, before, you know, I thought Dan was was stepping aside. I really liked him when I thought it looked like Dan was just finishing it out. Mm-hmm. Now I wonder if it does bring a little bit of a spark or for one game. That's the only thing I think would would lead me to believe that Florida would win it. We know they're talented. They know they're very capable. But you know, uh, how, how do they respond to this? What does this say about this Florida team? How how do they play? With what type of energy? So, yeah, I think this is intriguing. Um, going into it, I thought was going to be more intriguing because I thought the decision on Dan would probably be made, you know, this coming Sunday. You know, what happened this past week, I thought might have a good chance of happening. When it happened, the result was I started to think, hmm, might they do it this week? And I wasn't quite sure that they would. They did. But it takes the drama away from it. We know there are going to be changes, and we know that Mike has saved his job. So it's interesting. In fact, I'm wondering, too, you know, not to just to go back on it. I don't know that there is a full appetite to now make a change on Manny Diaz. We think there is because they've got a new athletic director. But I think both of those are – 
going to be interesting to see to watch, but uh, obviously Mike is in the better shape of the bunch. Well, you thought that, I mean, that's funny you mentioned about Miami because you thought absolutely there is an appetite there at Miami to move on and, and make a change as the head coach. That was, an, that was an inspired team that came out and played last week and played very played, well. He played hard for the last three or four weeks. They haven't quit. Like you, what you've seen Florida do, you know, you've seen what they've done and they've struggled and, and even to some degree what you're seeing with Texas. Yeah. You know, I know that t- that ain't happening in Miami now. They are playing hard. And they found, looks like, a good young quarterback of the future. With the not much of an appetite to buy him out, you know, do they try to maybe make another go around it? Now, I will say this, and there's a lot of talk. I do believe that Sonny Dykes is going to get the TCU job, and it looks like Rhett Lashley is going to get the SMU job to replace mm-hmm. Sonny. So that means you're going to have staff changes at Miami. How does that affect it? What do right. they think? I don't know. I, th- I think that's one that we got to watch. I don't think it's a slam dunk. He's gone. I kind of think he is. But I will also say, who's going to make that hire? When are they going to hire that athletic director? I don't like the idea of we're going to go hire a head coach. We're going to fire a head coach and hire one, and then we'll get around to hiring the, the athletic director. That's backwards. Yeah, you almost wonder if it's going to be – kind of a similar situation like what we saw at Auburn where you bring in a new athletic director and then a year later, that's when a move is made. So Absolutely. who knows, maybe, maybe. I'm thinking that might be the case unless they've got their athletic director close to being done to where they could make that coaching hot fire and hire right here in the one. next two weeks. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's also too, I mean, I think kind of what comes to mind is like the NFL team that plays tough, for the last month and on that Monday the head coach gets kind of a reprieve where it's like all right we'll bring you back because it looks like the team responded to you and you were able to uh, bring uh, things back in Um, another game too that I think kind of goes in the same lines of what you're talking about with Florida of they would be battling for a chance to make a bowl game same deal with uh, Texas A&M and LSU because I actually have this question with LSU fans and even with the players to a certain uh, certain point as well. Do you really even want a bowl game? And it sounds like the players, at least Damone Clark, do because you heard him after the game last week, which was a very underwhelming performance, which, by the way, too, going back and watching that UL Monroe game, LSU's lucky they didn't lose that game. You had two yeah. turnovers on downs in a fourth-and-goal situation, and that offense was just putrid in that game, just terrible. And ULM really blew a couple of key opportunities. Yes. That's why they're not very good, quite right. frankly. But they had opportunities. And, look, you're correct. Anybody that was able to just figure things out and not throw that opportunities away would have probably beaten LSU. Even- I think this on the bowl game. Fans may not want it, and I understand it. You don't have to sure. watch it; you don't have to go. Um, and and I get it. You're going to have a messed up situation because now I don't know. There's a sense, and it may be, I think, tied to how quickly Scott makes this move. I, obviously, he's, I, I don't know that Ed's going to coach it now. I, I'm not sure. I, I think there's that's in doubt. Um staff was going to be 
looking and all that. Ideally, okay, and I know it's complex. You really, from a developmental standpoint, regardless who's coaching, players getting bowl practice really helps. It's mm-hmm. like an extra spring practice. Yeah. So it's, I think it's really valuable. Now that's the coach in me. That's a, you know, I get it. It's complex. You don't know who's going to coach in. Coaches looking for jobs and preparing. It, 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 it's not for team unity or for. It, it's more about development and practice for those players. And I think if there's some level of organization, you should do it. But you know, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot up in the air now, and I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they would go, or I, I don't know what the situation would be. The league would probably push them to go. Yeah. Especially you know, after missing last if, year too. If they if they get eligible, but um, I don't think they're beating A and M here. I think A and M's taking care of business. Well, six and a half for A and M. You know, the only time that I've ever been around that in uh, a situation where you had a coaching staff going and a coaching staff coming was at the end of Mark Richt when he, at first, I th- if I'm trying to remember, I think he had announced, yes, I will coach the bowl game. And then after Kirby was announced, I think it was kind of one of those, all right, this is kind of awkward. Let me get out of the way. And you um, had a interim coach situation and you had a lot of different coaches, even graduate assistants uh, trying to yes. uh, ju- uh, jump in, which it was uh, Brian McClendon was uh, the coach that uh, stepped in and did a really admirable job. I'll never forget what he had said when we asked him, you know, what did you say to the team? He just said, hey, look, it's just one game that we need you guys to stick together with us as this coaching staff. After that, things will be what they may. So we'll worry about that later, but let's just bring it in. Let's stabilize for now, and then we'll worry about what's next next. And I, I think that that's probably what you would be looking into. I, I don't know who would take that over, but, I mean, it's just the thing I remember from that, Chris, was – you had already Sam Pittman and Jim Chaney who were at the practices watching what was happening at the practices, you know, just kind of making their notes. Hey, I like where this guy could be. I like where that guy could be all those different types of things, but they were observing. And then you had coaches who were probably not going to be there who were leading practices. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. It is. It absolutely is because then you're probably immediately after practice. It's, it's almost like when you're dating, of, hey, did she write me back? In this case, it's, hey, did that coach write me back to let me know, hey, I got a tight ends position for you here? Or, I mean, even further, I remember a member of their staff when I was at the Senior Bowl walking the field, and I said, hey, what are you doing here? He said, I'm looking for a job. Like, I mean, you know, you had that, and, and good for them. They ended up going on to the NFL. But it's it's definitely a weird thing. I, I don't think people realize just how tough a profession coaching is, and that's Exhibit A right there. Uh, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, you know, in the past it's been a little bit of a trip up for Tennessee. This will not be the case. The Vols will win this one going away because – Vanderbilt is just not good. Uh, Tennessee, a 31-point favorite in this one. I don't think we need to spend much time on this one, Chris, because it is pretty much a drop in the bucket for uh, Josh Heupel and his Score team. Score it well. Score it well. I think they'll put a ton of points and run away from Vanderbilt. It'll get ugly, I think. Uh, Clemson at South Carolina. I, I think that this is a Clemson team that is playing much better football right now. It's funny, you know, Chris, we've seen it in the past with a situation like this where – Alabama hasn't necessarily had this other than 2010. For the most part, Clemson has avoided ever since their run started in about 2015 of having this year where you're kind of like, hmm, is the wagon wheel starting to come off a little bit? 
Is this not quite what we necessarily thought that it would be? But as of late, this is a Clemson team that has played very good football. And last week at home against a good Wake Forest team was able to take it to them and able to pretty much do whatever they wanted in that game. And I think a lot of people looked at it and said, this is finally the Clemson team that we thought we were going to be getting this year. I think that the key for them is Will Shipley has become what they thought he was going to become. Kobe Pace has become what they thought he was going to become as well. So Clemson, at least, if nothing else, a chance to salvage a decent season. And if I'm not mistaken, still a chance to make the ACC championship game. Yeah, they do. They need a little, obviously, a little help awake and NC State losing um, would would give them in – uh, that shot of, of making the conference championship game. Look, they've saved for a few instances. They played consistently on defense most of the year. Um, they're playing better on offense. Like I've counted out South Carolina and um, feel bad because they've, they're winning enough games and they're close to going, you know, bowl, close to going to bowls and things like that. It's just, that's really great for them. I think, and they deserve a lot of credit, as I mentioned yesterday, because, you know, yeah, they're maybe they're the byproduct of teams not doing a very good job and they're catching teams at right moments, but they're not very good either. And they got a mess of a roster in certain spots and they're getting it done. So it just goes to show you when you've got fresh attitudes and ideas and energy, it makes a big difference as opposed to maybe somebody that's lacking that. I still think this Clemson team, this game means a lot. Losing to South Carolina yeah. would be an embarrassment for Clemson. Um, they're still better. Uh, they're quite a bit better even than, than South Carolina at this point. But it, it might have a chance to be at least competitive. And, you know, this game is when Steve was there before Dabble got it going, it wasn't very good. No, because Since it was on then, South Carolina's side. Yes, yeah, South Carolina was winning. Now it's not very good because South I mean, Carolina like cannot that, be. That's a game that you know. It's one of those games that's a neat. It's not a good. Hadn't been a competitive rivalry, but it's a neat little game. Been to it a few times, but man, the history says that when one yings, the other yangs. I mean, yeah. it just doesn't. And they just don't ever play each other when they're when they're both really good or both really bad. We take yeah. that. You know, and say, hey, let's, you know, who can go to a bowl game? You know, it's just not, just not the, not the same. I mean, it's just like we just talked about with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. There's some good, there's some excitement there. You know, with this is maybe not as much, but at least the chance of a good game. Hey, at a boy, maybe, just maybe the Palmetto Bowl will be somewhat interesting. I like Clemson, though, and I kind of like them. A good bit. Yeah, I mean, it could be a strong finish for Dabo Sweeney's team who, you know, really this season, like we said, it's not gone completely the way that they thought it would go. Uh, but, I mean, it's a chance for them to finish 9-3, and have a chance to go to a decent enough bowl game, 10-3. and And I think if nothing else, it's kind of a, all right, get some of our injured guys back, get a spring practice, get everything in, and be able to have this offense be what we hoped it would be this year and be able to get back on track to being the national title contender that they are. By the way, uh, they've not been in the college football playoff rankings. Mm -hmm. They're back as as we're doing this, the playoff rankings, and we've jumped back into the 23 Clemson. So congrats to them when the rankings came out. Wow. 
when they first came out, the first listing, it's the first time that Clemson's not been in the top 25 since that's how consistently good they've been. Yeah. No, and I mean, I guess if nothing else, uh, not uh, impressing the uh, playoff committee enough to be able to jump back in. All right, uh, let's get to uh, a couple of more before we get to the beyond segment here. And uh, real quick, uh, Kentucky at Louisville Cardinals, a three-point favorite in this one as uh, Kentucky, you know, kind of like I just talked about with Clemson. Strong finish for them. A few weeks ago, people were thinking that this was going to be a team that could be the SEC's representative at the Sugar Bowl. Now, likely not the case. Nine and three, probably not necessarily the season that most Kentucky fans had hoped for. I think in a way, Mark Stoops probably looks at it, Chris, and says, well, good. It's nice to have expectations around here for Kentucky football now. Now, let's see what things look like going forward for this program. And uh, I think a way to uh, be able to take it on the right trajectory that they want to go to is to finish nine and three. Yeah. I'm interested here for a couple of things. Um, you know, I think, I think Kentucky, this is, this is big for them. I think they've kind of let the season kind of come apart a little bit at the seams, not completely, but just a little bit of a rip in the seam. And I, I think losing a game like this would be really bad for them. I'm also wondering something. I, Again, it's just the experience of years of being around it. Mark's name has started to bubble a little bit, like, like, and I know how this stuff happens. It's thrown out for a purpose, and I'm wondering if he's starting to get a sense of, not not to the degree, but I'm wondering if he's, if he's starting to get a feel for, regardless of what I do here. I'm never going to be able to do it, Kentucky, because he's adamant. You know, we can win here. We, you know, win there. Win is going to bowl games. Win is if everything goes right, you could get to ten and eleven and one or ten and two like this year. It didn't happen. I think this is not only a frustrating year. I think it's a frustrating blow to Mark to realize. I don't know if we can get it done. To the degree that, you know, if he truly thinks that he can win the East and compete in the East, I I think maybe he's coming to the realization that that's probably not reality. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if another opportunity might intrigue him. I, I, I don't, I'm just wondering because his name has come out for a reason and I yeah. know why that's leaked out there. Yeah, I mean, I I think that, you know, there's the good that I talked about, but then there's also that as well. Like you said, is kind of like what Kirby Smart said, there's no matter how good of a coach you are, you cannot out beat you cannot beat somebody that out recruits you and has better players than you. And I think that maybe you're exactly right. At Kentucky, he just says, Hey, I'm getting good players here, not getting great players here. I need to go somewhere where I can get great players and be able to be on that stratosphere as well. So I don't know. Maybe that is the case. Uh, Finally, the Iron Bowl. Uh, We're going to get Alabama at Auburn. A few weeks ago, Chris, this looked like it was going to be one that Alabama fans we're starting to kind of have a little bit of paranoia about of, uh-oh, Jordan-Hare Stadium, Iron Bowl, chance for Auburn to win the SEC West, but then that has since dissipated. Um, I'm kind of like you, what you talked about uh, earlier with um, uh, uh, Clemson at South Carolina. I think the same thing here with Alabama. I don't think there's much to worry about. I will say this, for the criticism that I gave Bill O'Brien as a possible head coaching candidate at LSU – 
I, I get it because I don't think that he would be a coach for that job. I, I just think that if he thought that the collar got a little hot in Houston with fans coming after him and everything else, the hell you think it's going to be like in the Bayou when if you don't win 10 games, you're a massive failure and people will let you know about it. I think that he's done a really good job as an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach this year with Bryce Young. And we saw a really good performance last week. I think we've seen a quarterback get better every week. And I think we've seen an offense be pretty good where people thought, oh, well, you know, it needs to be what it was last year. Look at the players you had last year. Still, I think this is an offensive unit that's been able to put up some impressive numbers the last few weeks. Put up good numbers. My concern for Alabama is that they can't finish games because they don't run the football well enough. So they can explode and get points, but when they've got a lead protecting that league, it's a problem. So like we're seeing them being in closer games than they normally do. Like last week against Arkansas, they certainly made a lot of plays against Arkansas's defense, but finishing it out, their four minute offense is not nearly as effective. They don't run it as well. It's problems on the offensive line, specifically on the right side, but it has been a problem. So this team is just not quite as good, relatively speaking, from an Alabama standpoint. Now, I think Bill's done a good job. I think Bill's a good coach. I thought Bill did a great job at Penn State, and I think a lot of that has come out. I think there's some level of interest in trying to get involved in the Virginia Tech job and having your name out associated with other jobs only helps it. Um, But anyway, be that as it may, I think there's a lot to build on. There's not, there's the, the best player on the offense. That's not the quarterback is a transfer receiver. And I think they've still got playmaking ability but I don't think they have an elite back, and they sure don't have an elite line. In fact, look what they had to do against Arkansas. They had to go have a jumbo package. I think it says a lot. Uh, I think it just says that they're they're a team that just doesn't quite have it what they normally have, and that's how they got to play it now. I do think Auburn's reeling right now. I think they'll play well. I think they'll play with emotion, but, you know, they can't throw the football Um they don't have a passing game with T.J. Finley that's consistent enough to be a real issue. So I think we're going to see uh, kind of how this plays out, and um, I, I think Alabama wins it, and then we'll be off as next week we'll be talking about what could they do to try to crack the Georgia code because I think they'll do take care of business. And of course, they've got the West wrapped up, but they're faint, albeit faint, you know, well, I mean, I say faint. They've got a chance, maybe albeit a small one, to beat Georgia if they do. They certainly are in a position to be thinking at least the possibility of playoffs. All right, real quick, Beyond, let's spend a couple of minutes on these last two games before we get to the mailbag, and that is Ohio State and Michigan. You have Ohio State in this one as an eight-point favorite. I think that there is nothing to tell me that Michigan has – what it takes to be able to break the streak and upset uh, Ohio State in this one. I think Ohio State is a team, Chris, like I talked about last time with them, very young, very talented, coming together at the right time, kind of like what I was talking about with Clemson. 
Ohio State's at least a viable option for the college football playoff and somebody that I think this time of year, the way that Ryan Day has that offense playing, I don't think that anybody wants to see them on the other sideline because that's a real threat right now. I just don't see Michigan having any opportunity in this game. Ohio State's offense is playing better than anybody's offense in college football. The quarterback, Stroud, has really developed nicely. Uh, The running game is good. It's not a great power game, but, boy, they can gas you. They've got the best group of receiving room is the best one in the country. The offensive line is the most talented one in the country, and they've not been the most consistent grading week in and week out, but they are really, really good. Um, this offense is just a tremendous, tremendous um, challenge for any defense. And I think we're starting to think, oh, what would that look like against Georgia's defense? Um, I like this Michigan defense. I think they'll prevent more resistance um, to Ohio State than Michigan State did. But this Ohio State team is very good. In fact, as we're doing this show live, as I thought it would be, Ohio State is now number two in the rankings. They've jumped Alabama. So, um, you know, it's going to be real interesting. And I I do think the fact that Michigan's played well, has done a good job, at least coming in with a good record. They will rule the day of the Michigan State game because I think they probably outplayed Michigan State but made more mental errors that cost them. But be that as it may, I I don't think they match up. I don't think they can score enough points to keep up with Ohio State. And I don't think the defense could close it down enough. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a a, a big win for Ohio State. And, um, as again, they've jumped Alabama. Uh, Georgia, of course, is number one. Ohio State's number two in this week's college football playoff ranking. I think I said BCS. Apologize. Uh, And then Alabama's – Alabama's number three, and we'll keep you up to date as that's coming along, and we'll get you the four, five, and six as we wrap it up. Bedlam, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and this one, I just don't think Oklahoma has the offensive consistency to be able to be able to go on the road, pick up this win, and be able to have a rematch in the Big 12 championship game. I think that the really just kind of – Offensive insecurity this year is going to catch up to them, and Mike Gundy and his team are able to pick up this win. I tell you this, this folks, if you haven't seen this Oklahoma State's defensive Jim Knowles, you, you're missing something. This is a defense that flies around the football. They're very aggressive. They they attack. They're just really, really good. Um, You've mentioned Oklahoma's issues. Um, in their offense, their inconsistencies, they've gotten the better of, um, of, of, uh, of, of, of Oklahoma state over the years. I just, you know, I just like this Oklahoma state team better. I'm not confident in Oklahoma to some degree with Oklahoma. You'll watch them play just like with Alabama. You just, eh, you know, you're winning, but it's not quite enough. And to them, it was the Baylor loss for Alabama's A&M, but you just kind of look at they're good. They're not great. Now, Oklahoma state's seventh and, and, and uh, Oklahoma's 10th, I believe if I remember in the yeah, rankings, it is. but, um, as we've got it. So, uh, and, um, 
congratulations to Cincinnati is they've gone and gotten the number yeah, fourth spot ahead of uh, Michigan. So they've jumped Michigan ahead of the Ohio State-Michigan game. So it's Cincinnati four and then um, Michigan five and Notre Dame at the sixth spot. So that's your uh, rankings, your college football playoff rankings. Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Cincinnati, then Michigan five and Notre Dame six. As we're doing this live, as you're catching this dropped, you know this by now. You probably read it, heard it. But for those of you watching live, that's the latest. All right, a couple of mailbag to get to, but yes, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oklahoma loses on Saturday. On Sunday, uh-huh. is Lincoln Riley head coach at LSU? No. That much certainty? Yes. How about that? All right. Fair enough. Quick and to the point. Uh, let's get to the mailbag here to uh, close us out and send us in to Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday. Uh, Rich Coates one wants to know, is there a possibility of Notre Dame getting in the final four, despite the fact that Cincinnati beat them earlier this year? My answer to that, Chris, because I guess he didn't necessarily just address it to you would be Cincinnati, of course, loses next week in the American athletic conference title game to Houston, who, by the way, you were talking about ruining the day for Michigan and Michigan. Michigan State. It's the same deal with Houston. If they don't lose that game early on in the season against Texas Tech, a game that they had won late in yes. the game and let it uh, slide away yes. to a bad Texas Tech team, then you're talking about Houston right now as being one that could also crash and, and do some interesting things. But that one loss, I mean, it shows you how, how far it's knocked them down. They're 24th in the recent college football playoff rankings, but still going to be a stiff enough competition. The answer for me is you need a Michigan loss, which I think you're going to get this weekend. You need Houston to hop in and win. If they do that, then yes, you do see Notre Dame there because then the question is, well, what about Oklahoma State? I, I think that probably it could be a very tough finish for Oklahoma State to be able to win this weekend and then back it up and win next weekend, I believe, against uh, Baylor, if I'm not mistaken, in the Big 12 championship game is what that would be. Yeah, it's to depend on how that, that shakes up, obviously. Um, three-way, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, you know, the, the it will shake out this week. Uh, uh, two of those three will be playing up in the Big 12 championship game. I mean, look, um, to me, the Notre Dame's best chance is to go into the Final Four with Cincinnati. They don't have to go instead of. They can go with. If Alabama loses, um, you know, they've, they're in pretty decent position. I think Michigan's going to lose, and it really does depend. Now, the, the issue would be is what does – I think that the team certainly that's ranked the highest in the Big 12 is Oklahoma State. So if they're able to beat Oklahoma, um, win the Big 12 championship game, that's two big, impressive wins against ranked teams because all out. three, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Baylor, that's really good. Now, that may put them ahead of Notre Dame. Uh, maybe not. Right now, they're not. Right now, Notre Dame's ahead. How much ground do they make up with, with again, two more wins? I don't know. I don't know what the committee's going to do. But that's going to be your question. So, um I don't know. I don't know if they jump Cincinnati. I I don't. I I don't think they would do to the head to head if Cincinnati wins out. But they could get in with them depending on how things play out. All right, final one here. Woodshed King. It seems like more kids are decommitting every week. Could that be due to programs cutting more of them loose in favor of recruiting transfers as guys enter the portal? 
That's actually a really good question. That's not that I'm surprised. I, I mean, I, I, I'm with Woodcheck King here. I want to know if that's the case. If you do have programs who say, yeah, I'm not going to go the long developmental route. I'm going to kind of take a shorter route right here and take the guy that I know knows how to play at this level. Well, it could be. I think a lot of the players that are decommitting, as I understand the question, is a lot of it the uncertainty of coaching changes. Don't know what their circumstances are. Uh, I mean, we talk about Eli Ricks leaving, and I, I don't – sounds like he has an interest in going out west to USC. I'd been told today. Ohio State today. Well, Ohio State is a place that he wanted to go initially and his mom didn't want. Ah. They're originally from California. Right. And apparently they're really – he's really interested in USC. If that is the case, well, they're not – they don't have a coach, so it tells me that he just is. The other thing I understand is that now his mom and Ed Orgeron are really close, good relationship, and apparently there wasn't a whole lot of effort to, hey, stick around and all. I, I don't know, but mm. you know, if he's considering USC, that tells me that he's not leaving LSU for the, the instability. It's maybe he wants to move on, and maybe it is to Ohio State. Maybe it is to, to um to USC maybe maybe Georgia Alabama gets in the mix who knows I mean he's a I think he's the he's what we call the prime free agent target that we get in the NFL when a guy gets cut this this is a guy that leaves and enters the portal that becomes the premier college free agent but I think it's a combination of guys are not quite sure Florida is dealing with certain situations and guys decommitting because of the uncertainty there. But then they get a big-time commitment today from somebody that, you know, obviously that doesn't bother him. It maybe enhances it. I think there are a lot of reasons for it, but but I think could be onto something. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's funny how we've now almost kind of like a free agency tracker in the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. You're starting to get that now with college football with the portal tracker. I mean, I just looked it up right now, and you already see names. I mean, you know, it's Chris. You were always looking for content in uh, the written game or, oh or the God. spoken word game. I mean, that's that's the next content is as soon as the season's over, it's going to be almost kind of like the Major League Baseball hot stove. Who is on the move? Who, I, who could I, possibly be able to uh, be added to your program? I notebooks at LandryFootball.com, which I encourage everybody to jump on and become a member because you can get a lot of stuff. It is, it is loaded every day with transfer information from the end of the season on. In I mean, it you get it during the season, but my goodness, so that wave of free agent news in the NFL is condensed. It's it's organized. It is completely all across the board in college because college has no completely organized or defined seasons of how you do things administratively. So it is just a, it's another form of recruiting and it is a place to where you, if you're a program that doesn't get five stars, this is a way to get five stars that guys were five stars that maybe are not happy and maybe you can convince them to come in and start and be a part of it. It's another avenue to get better. Look, I mean, it is 100% of the reason that schools like Arkansas, Michigan State, and Wake Forest, it was the major reason, the 
clear major reason why those teams were good this year. In case of Michigan State, Wake Forest, really highly ranked. That more than anything, that and having the super seniors come back due to the COVID year, mm-hmm. which is obviously that's not going to be something that's hope to God doesn't just because of it's attached to COVID that we never have to deal with it again. But transfer portal has certainly changed it. And if you're not taking advantage of it, you're missing a chance to to improve your program. Certainly at certain programs, you got to emphasize a little bit more than others. Season and off-season are never lacking interest, and hopefully this show, with us being with you for the past hour, did the same. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dan Matthews. I want everybody out there who do us all a favor. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and really appreciate you all joining us throughout the year and looking forward to more great shows as well after this week. As Coming up early next week, back on the regular schedule, so we'll be Monday night, Thursday night, live taping of the show, and then, of course, the podcast itself. You can catch it on Tuesdays and Fridays. Chris, have a very happy Thanksgiving, and uh, look forward to uh, talking with you again next week. Happy Thanksgiving to you, and as you said, echoing it, uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners, particularly the ones that join us in the chat room, all of you guys, Woodshed King, Ridge Coach, uh, especially. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Be safe if you're out there traveling. Enjoy some football. Enjoy some family. Enjoy some food. Um, It's my favorite holiday week of the year, so uh, enjoy it out there. God bless everybody. Thank you. I can't top what he just said. Thank you for listening. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.